So I want to say welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. Uh, God invites us to come, calls us into our lives to come and respond. And so it's good to gather in God's presence and thankful that we can be here in person and for those who are joining us online as well. And just want to share a few announcements as we begin. Uh, you'll notice uh, on your order of worship that there are children's classes. Uh, there's nursery and preschool and children's worship. Um, also, during this time, we're having a little bit shorter services, uh, about 45, 50 minutes. And so we're not passing the offering plates. If you'd like to give to the work of the church, there's a silver plate in the back, or you can give online. Uh, a, couple, a couple of notes um, that there is Kids Week coming up. And so there's this flyer that you'll see at the welcome table. There's also sheets there that you can use to sign up uh, your child. And, or you can talk to Melinda. She's in the back, and you can find her after the service or in the basement. But it is the week of July 26th to the 30th. Um, invite all the children of the church to come to that. Also, think about whether there's friends or neighbors that would want to join. The kids will be at, at Gross Park. It will be outside there at, at Lawrence uh, near Rockwell. Um, also, we have a book discussion coming up, uh, not today, but a week from today. And Ozzy is going to share a little bit about that. Maybe. Ozzy, why don't you use this mic right there? Thanks, Chad. Um, I just wanted to invite everybody to our upcoming book discussion on The Kindest Lie by Nancy Johnson. Um, it's scheduled for this coming uh, Sunday at uh, 7 p.m. at the church office. Um, so it's an opportunity to finally get together and uh, you know, have some good discussion and uh, you know, do some fellowship around uh, a really good book. Um, the Kindest Lie is written by my coworker, actually, Nancy Johnson. We work together at the College of American Pathologists. She's one of our communications manager, very talented and gifted writer, communicator. And I actually work with her also on our diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion uh, advisory uh, group or task force. And uh, so the book you know, deals with a lot of current issues. It's set in 2008, but um, it speaks to a lot of the um, social and political things that are, you know, uh, affecting our country today. So I, re I really encourage you to come out and join us if you've read the book. If you're in the middle of reading the book or if you're, you haven't read the book, um, it's just a good time. And also, Nancy Johnson will be at the book discussion. So I forgot to mention that. That's very important. And, you know, we'll... We'll be able to ask her questions, and we'll be able to discuss the book with her. So hopefully you all can, um, can join us, please. And hopefully people will come, because she's coming. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Ozzy. As Ozzy mentioned, it's uh, the 18th, so next Sunday at 7 o'clock. And as we've always said, you know, if, even if you haven't read the book, come. There'll be a, it's a good discussion, especially since the author's there. There'll be ways to talk about things, even if you haven't been able to read the book or finish it. Uh, this time, I want to, any children that are going to be part of the preschool class or children's worship, they can go to the back of the uh, sanctuary where uh, Melinda will meet them and take them downstairs to the basement classroom. Those classes will run through the service and finish the same time the, the worship service does. Uh, one note, uh, just a reminder that today, starting today, uh, masks are optional in the sanctuary, uh, but we ask if you are in the children's classrooms or children's area that you would wear a mask in those places. Well, God's called us to come and worship. Let's take a moment of quiet uh, to prepare ourselves to come before God, to respond to the one who's made us and who has rede redeemed us in Christ.
Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 36. Will you stand with me and we'll sing it together. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. Where with you is the fountain of life, in your light do we see light. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Oh, continue, you you steadfast love to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your steadfast love, O
seated. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, you have gathered us this morning in your grace and in your mercy. And as we hear your word, Father, lead us into safe pastures, away from the dangers of sin and death, away from the accusers, the deceiver's voice, to find the rest and flourishing and life we need in your presence. Father, we ask that by your spirit that you would make us aware of your presence this morning. Come to those of us who feel really near and those of us who feel really far away from you. Lord, meet us in the anxieties, the, the concerns, the troubles that follow us in worship. Give us the faith to listen and follow you. Away from wandering hearts that, that love things that are empty and full of conditions. Meet us in all these places and make us more and more into the image of your Son who has laid down his life so that we can enter into your beautiful and sustaining rest. Father, all this we ask and we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, we turn now to our time of confession, a time to acknowledge with God our sin and our need. And we'll do this first as a church, a time of of, of song and then have a time of quiet personal confession. Our song, of, our song of confession today is a conversation between the believer and his soul. And so we'll sing the part of the believer and invite you to join us on the bold parts. Can I? 
Take a moment for quiet personal confession. Father, we are thankful that in Christ we have a good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. We're thankful for this grace, this grace that comes to us only through the death and the resurrection of your son. We give thanks in his name. Amen. Well, let's stand together to, uh, to recite together the words of assurance that come to us from Psalm 21. How abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you. You may be seated. Uh, reading from the scriptures, the book of Proverbs from the Proverbs of Solomon, chapter 25. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and setting of silver. It's like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the soul of his masters. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. With patience a ruler may be persuaded, with a soft tongue will break a bone. If you have found honey, yet only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword or a sharp arrow. Trusting in a treacherous man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day, like vinegar on soda. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. 
Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears, no, bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is the word of God. I'm thankful for a chance to worship together and to look at God's word together. Over the last couple months, we have been looking at the New Testament letter of James. And uh, we're almost uh, done with that. We have today and next Sunday to complete uh, that letter. Uh, But before I read our passage, I want to set some context for us to remind us of kind of where we are as we come towards the end. During a a much large part of of the center of the letter, James has been asking some kind of very important questions. Who is wise? Who among you sees things rightly or truly? Or who has understanding? It's asking really, in a sense, you know, who is living a life that is good and is pleasing? And in answering this question, James has identified two types of wisdom. There's the heavenly wisdom or the wisdom from above, embodied in the person of Jesus. It's also expressed in gentleness and humility mercy and impartiality. There's also earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom is expressed in selfish ambition, jealousy and arrogance, a focus on accumulating of wealth, and this leads to discord. What James has been imploring us over and over again the last few chapters is to see that true understanding, to to grasp that true knowledge and wisdom is heavenly wisdom that this is the path of life. And now at the close of the letter, James gives a final encouragement by returning to an opening theme. My brothers and sisters, be patient. Be steadfast. Back in James 1, you might recall, we we read, count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And he continues, Blessed is the one who remains steadfast under trial. For when she has stood the test, she will receive the crown of life. And so that is the encouragement to us today to be patient, to be steadfast. Meaning to persevere, to be single-minded. Not quick-tempered, but but to be long-suffering to bravely endure, to continue in the faith even in the face of troubles and trials. What the author Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience in the same direction. 
along obedience in the same direction. So that's the context in which we'll hear about patience. So let me read our passage. This is James 5, 7 through 12. And you will hear this encouragement to be people marked by steadfastness. Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed to remain steadfast. You have heard the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. This is God's word given for our good. Well, our passage offers two illustrations, two examples, and we'll look at each one of those, and each illustration offers an aspect of patience, of what patience is. And the first illustration you might have noticed is the farmer, the farmer waiting for the precious growth and fruit of his crop. And what we can see here is that patience includes waiting. Patience includes waiting, trusting God to judge, to bring justice, to rescue or secure those who are displaced, to bring forth good things. During the early days of the pandemic, as you know, there was many strict stay-at-home orders, and there's a new story from a while back that in Spain, the government allowed people to go out of their houses. One of the few reasons was to walk your pet but during that time, the Spanish National Police shared an image of a man getting fined for walking his pet. Why? He was taking his goldfish for a walk in the goldfish bowl. It seemed like it was a stretch too far. I mentioned that because waiting is hard, right? Waiting can be difficult. And James knows this, and he points to us, look at the farmer. He's plowing his field, but the soil looks just as bare as it did when he started. And the question could be, did he waste his time? Did the farmer do something wrong? Has the crop failed? No, it just takes time. The illustration suggests that his labor is not in vain. The farmer must wait and recognize his limits. Right? The farmer can cultivate, he can plant, he can weed. But the farmer doesn't have the power to bring forth the fruit, to make the crop appear. It takes time. And so James invites us as we think about patience to see the farmer, see the farmer waiting for his valuable crop, patiently letting the rain do its work. And James says to us, be patient like this, wait like this. And he goes on to say, establish your hearts. Establish your hearts. David Wagner is a poet, and in his poem, Lost, he writes, Stand still. The trees ahead and the bushes beside you 
are not lost. Wherever you are is called here. And you must treat it as a powerful stranger. Wherever you are is called here. And you must treat it as a powerful stranger. What does he mean by here being a stranger? Well, the challenge of waiting, if you're like me, the challenge of waiting is that we might be looking elsewhere. We might think about someplace else we want to be, or someplace we think we should be, or how we wish circumstances would be different. And what this poem is offering us to think about in waiting is to recognize here where we are. Wherever here is, with all its circumstances, with its questions, maybe even with its uncertainties and pain. And wherever here is for you, whatever fears or questions loom there, whatever waiting is here, James says to us to establish your hearts. The heart here is not just the organ in our body, right? It speaks of our being, of our very selves. He's saying root, build, anchor your heart, your very being, not in the waves or in the accumulation of accomplishments or things, but in what is true and what is lasting. The establishing of your heart cannot be for us my strength or my accomplishments but it must be something that will last. Psalm 136 repeats a phrase 26 times. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Over and over again, we're invited in the psalm to praise God, to give our hearts to God, to establish our hearts in God. And the reason given over and over again is because God's love is steadfast. It does not change. That is what endures. And that is where James directs us to say, establish your hearts in the God who is coming and who will make all things right. Do not chase what is passing away. Do not impatiently grumble against others thinking that that will make things right. Rather, turn to God. Establish your heart and trust yourself to Him. To establish our hearts is, in a sense, to ask the question, who holds the future? Who holds your future? Or maybe, where do we look? Or what story do we remember in our waiting? In those moments in which we see what here is for us, What stories do we remember? That I'm on my own, and that the more I have, the more that I am, or the less that I have, the less that I am? Or do we remember the story of Christ and the steadfast love of God, that God is the one who holds our tomorrows and the one who has promised mercy that's greater than judgment? The farmer invites us to wait. But the second illustration is one of the prophets, and particularly the Old Testament figure of Job. And this second illustration invites us to see patience and steadfastness as enduring, as continuing to live in the faith. 
Look at the prophets, James says, and take them as your mentors. In a world that valued earthly wisdom, they continue to walk in heavenly wisdom. In a world that valued one thing, the prophets were willing to continue to value something different. They faced many trials, many costs, many sacrifices. They went through all sorts of things. But they continued trusting in God. And James highlights Job, saying that Job established his heart in God. He lived in faith, even in the face of difficulties and unanswered questions. Excuse me. And this illustration brings to mind Hebrews 11, this chapter that speaks about faith and a group of witnesses or mentors for us, saying that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I want to highlight one particular part of Hebrews 11. It speaks about Moses, for Moses was the Old Testament prophet by which all other prophets were to be judged. And Hebrews says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they were brave in the face of Pharaoh's edict. And by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter's son, refused the privileges of the royal house, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting life of pleasure. Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for a reward that would last. By faith, Moses left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the Pharaoh, for he endured as seeing the one who is invisible. Moses' parents endured, and he endured in faith as well. Did you hear that? He endured by seeing him, the one who is invisible, turning his back or letting go of the riches and the privileges of the land of Egypt. And Hebrews asks us at the end, what does this mean? It means that we can look at these mentors, Moses or Job or others, who gone before us. See these mentors in faith who have walked ahead of us. And it means for us whether that we should start or continue running, to continue in the faith and to not quit. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the one who began and finished the race. For Hebrews says of Jesus, he never lost sight of where he was headed, raised, vindicated, and seated at the right hand of God, even though it was very hard. And Hebrews, maybe even reading our minds, or reading mine at least, says, when you find yourself tired, or when you find yourself that it's hard to continue, go over the story of Jesus again and again. Remember the author and finisher of, the, of, the, of your faith. That here is the story again, not that we are on our own, to establish our hearts and our own strength, But here is the true witness, the yes of God. That Jesus entrusted himself to God 
and to God's judgment. And Jesus was vindicated and risen, given the name of above names. He is the author and perfecter of our faith, and he is the run the race for us. He is our strength, and he is our promise from God. And that promise expressed in James that God sees the humble and lifts them up, but opposes the proud. So this call to continue, this call to endure, is a call, a serious one in our life. But it has to be that wherever we are, wherever here is today, that we lift our eyes to Jesus, the author and perfecter, the one who has run the race ahead of us. Let us remember his story, the promise of God, that the one who made us is the one who knows us and did not leave us in our sin and misery but enter into a steadfast love to bring us new life, now and forever. Today, we're invited to wait and invited to endure, but not in our strength, not because we have all the answers, but because we have a God who has a steadfast love for us in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are, and we thank you, Lord, that you are good and gracious. And Lord, wherever here is for each one of us, I pray that you give us eyes to see what we face or what questions we have. And Lord, that you meet us in the midst of those things. The one who forgives sinners, the one who guides the lost, the one who pursues those who have wandered away. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with us and we'll sing together.
Join now with your people on earth and all the company of heaven and the unending hymn. take that in, if we let his words sink into us, his words can be life, right? They, they can be a help to anxious, impulsive hearts that long for our suffering and our hardship to end. And it's not just any hardship, right? But especially the kind that hangs on, that, that, that persists, that invites us to despair, to grab hold of things that moments of, of relief, but, but, but ultimately do not satisfy, that turn us into bitter But this table, it invites us into a different reality. It is a meal that doesn't take away the hardship, but one that sustains us through it. It is a meal that reminds us that God hasn't forsaken us. He enters into suffering, into hardship. Jesus is steadfast to enter into death for our sake, to sustain us, to hold us up in the valley of the shadow of death. It's a meal that nourishes for our present circumstances. And these are meals that carry us to the end with God when he comes again. So if you believe that, have in repentance and faith turned to Christ, and this table is for you. Come and eat in faith. Well, for those of you who are taking communion today, uh, you should have received a, a communion cup on your way in. If you haven't received that and you'd like one, uh, just raise your hand, and, and Pastor Eric can bring by a, a cup for you. Here, just a couple here. Feel free to begin to open at least the bread cup. I know it's sort of that awkward. Still in our, a strange reminder of our COVID time, I know. Um, but as we, as we come to the table, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this table. Uh, we pray that you would set it apart from a common use to a sacred and holy one. 
that you would come and by your spirit meet us and nourish us in our faith this bread and wine. We ask this in Jesus' While on the night that he was betrayed after giving thanks, Jesus this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this, is the, this, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. For as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. All right. Take our bread. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. in this cup, how they not only point us to your grace, to your good news, but they sustain us in our life, in our, in our path of hardship and trouble. Sustain us to the end. Sustain us in the weeks ahead, the days ahead. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand together as we respond to the table to express our faith as a church. Let us rejoice in the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Receive now God's blessing. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, may the love of God surround you now and always. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You go in peace. <laughs>